Please be seated. Amen. How about them Braves? Uh, one of our uh, the one of the worship leaders in our first service this morning was at the game, and um, uh, when we were down uh, two to one, I think going into the eighth, he said, um, "I want to see back-to-back home runs." <laughs> Bam! I, I w- wasn't awake at the time, but um, I got a I. I w- Woke up about 1.30, and I had a text, Braves win, 3-2, to two, hallelujah. <laughs> so, go Braves. Um, I always love it when Jesus shows up in the public eye. And I don't know whether you uh, are into college football, but um, ESPN has this uh, uh, game day, Saturday game day, uh, I think it's Saturday morning. I don't watch it, but but I was sent these pictures, and um, here it is, college game day, and in the back, you can see all those signs. Well, look at this one. God is real. Seek the living Jesus. So this is ESPN. Give Jesus your life. This is, this is right there on, on game day. I can't read all the... Our Father can heal any wound in Jesus. So... Uh, there, there you got that one. Seek Jesus with all your heart. Yes. And, and then my favorite, now that's ESPN, but every single person needs Jesus. Yeah. I mean, way to go. College, college game day, ESPN uh, declaring Jesus. Beautiful. I've got to say, there's nothing that feels better than being part of a healthy church family. Amen. And to be perfectly honest and uh, with integrity in this issue, there's, there's hardly anything that feels worse than being part of an unhealthy church family, if you've ever had that experience. Um, somebody told me this morning uh, that they were in a church in another state, and you know how we kind of have our spots where we sit? Well, um, uh, a, a visitor came in and sat in, 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 a, in a spot toward the front, and before the service started, she felt a tap on her shoulder, and somebody leans down and whispers, you're in my seat. I mean, what, what is up with some of us? I mean, well, what, what, what in the world goes on sometimes? Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I hope we can laugh at ourselves. Um, but this morning, we come to one of the greatest healthy churches in history. It's the Church of Ephesus. Um, More of the New Testament uh, describes the health of the church in Ephesus than any other church. There's only 27 books in the New Testament, and one of them is devoted exclusively to to Ephesus. Um, Of the seven churches that the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible was written to, uh, Ephesus was the first addressed in that church, uh, in that city, and in that book. And uh, in the book of Acts... Outside of the church in Jerusalem, the church of Ephesus has more uh, verses devoted to it in the book of Acts than any other uh, church, and for good reason. The the book of Acts is the consummate. I mean, there there has never been a more accurate description of a healthy church than the book of Acts. I'm, I'm sorry, than the book of Ephesians. And the book of Ephesians captures the health of the church better 
and uh, for good reason. They're, they're a model. And this morning we're going to look at that model in Acts chapter 19 and 20. And if you're following along in your black journal, it's page 110. And uh, please follow along with us. We're going to see what it takes to build a healthy church, what's, what makes up a healthy church, and how was the, this healthy church in Ephesians started, and how was it nurtured and developed. <clears throat> the first thing we find is that a healthy church is started with, with ordinary redeemed people. And uh, we see that really uh, the church in Ephesus didn't start in uh, Acts 19, it started in Acts 18, verse 19, it says that, uh, and they came to Ephesus, and he left there in Ephesus uh, Priscilla and Aquila, and he kept going to the next city. So he deputized this godly Christian couple in the city of Ephesus. Then it says in Acts 19, Verse 1, it says, when he got to Ephesus, there he found some disciples. So there was already a church in Ephesus. There were already disciples in Ephesus as a result of the ministry of Priscilla and Aquila in that city. So the, the first thing, again, that we find is it wasn't the celebrity Paul, and he would never want to be called that, but but. It was started by ordinary people. Uh, these were, was not started by uh, the apostles or, or the appointees of the apostles themselves, but the appointee of an appointee. The apostles did lay hands on Paul and deputized him or, or sanction him, set him apart as an apostle. But again, not the original uh, 12. Paul was not part of that. But he set aside for this church these ordinary people, this couple, and they uh, led people to Christ and began discipling them, and that's who Paul now comes to. I want to say Lilburn Alliance Church was started with ordinary people. It was started in the home of Ray and Ann Brockington as a prayer group, and that prayer group grew, and it moved to a larger home, the home of uh, uh, Tillman and Jane Stevens, and it became a Bible study. They had the audacity to call uh, a pastor, and they moved to Lilburn Middle School. This is about as ordinary a start as you can get. And the point is, in our day, when frankly most of the big churches in our country are built, pardon the expression, but by celebrities, by people who have a large Twitter following, or, or they sell a lot of books, or that they have a, a media platform, or a, a cable TV uh, show that's broadcast to millions, uh, and they build their churches that way. Well, that's not how, that's really not what the Bible says how you build a healthy church. It's not built with celebrities, it's built with ordinary, redeemed people. Hallelujah. Now, the next thing we come to here in the next verse, verse 2 of Acts 19, Paul asks an, a remarkably perceptive and straightforward question. When you believed, did you receive the Holy Spirit? 
Now, I'm going to incorporate this in my conversations with people when I meet someone and I find out, okay, you're a follower of Christ. When you believed, did you receive the Holy Spirit? That's a great question. It's really, we need to be asking this more often. You can believe in Jesus, but have you received the Holy Spirit? Now, now the, the, the answer is almost comical. We've never even heard of the Holy Spirit. That's how they answered. Imagine. They're believers in Jesus. They're followers of, of Jesus. They're disciples. They're part of the church, but, but they've never even heard of the Holy Spirit. Frankly, I wonder how many, how many church people have never heard of the Holy Spirit. Yes. <laughs> Just, come on, let's keep it real here. Well, when they said, we've never even heard of the Holy Spirit, Paul knew, he's kind of, I'm sure he smiled, and he knew this is easy, an easy fix. So he, he preaches, he teaches them a little bit on the Holy Spirit. He then, then baptizes them in the name of the Lord Jesus and lays hands on them, and they receive the Holy Spirit. Now, this teaches us that you want to build a healthy church. It's not just ordinary redeemed people, but it's the Holy Spirit, it's, it's redeemed ordinary people who are now conspicuously filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. You cannot be inconspicuously filled. The Holy Spirit is not a person to believe in. The Holy Spirit is a person to receive. This is a, an intentional reception and an intentional uh, awareness you either are aware of the, the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life or you're not. Now, these were immediately aware. Uh, they experienced the, the manifestation of tongues and prophesying. Isn't that something? Right away. Now, we, we do not teach that tongues is the only evidence. It is one evidence for some. Prophecy is a evidence for more. And we certainly all, when we receive the Holy Spirit, we all then, at that moment, when we receive the Holy Spirit, we now have the ability to hear God. That's what they had. All of us have the ability to hear God when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. So that, that's not for some and not for others. This is for every, every believer has the ability to hear from God. That, that's, that is the most dominant, obvious manifestation. But there's got to be a manifestation. If you have no manifestation, you should question, have I received the Holy Spirit? How do you know you received if there's no manifestation? Here they had a manifestation and they knew. And again, the, these, God chooses how he manifests himself, but there, there ought to be evidence a friend of mine used to say it's impossible to be inconspicuously filled with the Holy Spirit. That's entirely biblical. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it ought to be obvious. There's got to be something where the, 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 there's got to be evidence. Don't, don't, don't dumb it down to think there's one particular gift evidence. That's not biblical. But there's got to be an evidence. There's got to be a change in the way we function. Now, okay, so to build a healthy church, you start with ordinary redeemed believers who are now filled with the Holy Spirit and conspicuously filled with the Holy Spirit. That's, that's, the, that's the starting blocks of a healthy church. And then to strengthen that spirit-filled, redeemed, ordinary people, you teach the kingdom. 
You don't get the kingdom apart from the Holy Spirit. There's no sense teaching on the Holy Spirit until you lead people to be filled with the Holy Spirit because it's impossible for anyone, no matter how smart they are, to live in obedience to God apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. So the kingdom of God always is brought by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit always brings the kingdom. When the kingdom, when the Holy Spirit comes, not only does the kingdom come, the kingdom is activated. It's the book of Acts. The activation in the book of Acts is all the result of the Holy Spirit uh, manifesting the kingdom. Okay, so the next verse, verse 8. For three months, Paul spoke boldly about the kingdom of God. Now think of that, three months. Now that the Holy Spirit is working in this city, he's now teaching the kingdom. And again, teaching the kingdom without the Holy Spirit is a vain exercise. Uh, it's theory, but it's never uh, gonna take traction. But now, attraction happens. Now when the kingdom of God comes, the kingdom of light comes. As we've said, prophecy and the ability to hear God today is part of being the church. And when the kingdom of God comes in conspicuous ways, the kingdom of light will always expose the kingdom of darkness. And from this point to the end of chapter 19, what we find is one uh, conflict after another between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And the paragraph that follows here is um, humorous. Um, it's, it's frankly one of the funniest. Uh, this will tell you something about my sense of humor, but I think you'll agree with me that this is funny. So we've, we've got this this story here, and I'm just going to read it. So uh, there's these guys. Paul's working incredible miracles. Handkerchiefs are healing people. His shadow heals people. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, I just can't. That, that one is like, whoa. Uh, that's verse uh, 11 and the 12. But then look at verse 13. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you, or I command you, by Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Now, and then it explains, verse 14. Uh, seven sons of the Jewish high priest named Sceva, it sounds like a skin rash or something, uh, but uh, uh, we're doing this. But the, uh, the, but the evil spirit in this guy says, or gal, uh, answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who in the world are you? Now, this gets funnier. And the man in whom the evil spirit uh, leapt on them, leaped on them, and mastered all of them. In other words, they beat them up. And overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Now, if somebody had YouTubed this, I mean, this would be seen by 100 million people by tomorrow. This would blow up the internet. 
when there's a supernatural power, uh, it, that story's repeated. When it involves a little embarrassment as well, it's repeated over and over and over again. And that's, and that, that's the next thing it says. The next thing it says also, um, oh, oh, no, no, no. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus. That's what it says. It's no wonder. This is funny. Wait till you hear what happened to the seven sons of Sceva. Okay, we've had our little fun. So what's going to happen in light of this, like, okay, uh, before I answer that question, we'll come back to the text. I want to tell you a quick story. When I was in uh, graduate school uh, up in Boston, um, I was the youth pastor uh, invited to be the youth pastor of a great church. It was a Baptist church, and uh, many of my professors at my graduate school were members of the church, and it was a strong church. I mean, if the pastor wasn't there, they could call on any one of 20 guys that could step up to the plate and hit a home run. I mean, this was a stacked deck. And, and their families were strong. They modeled uh, Christ. They had tremendous families. And I got to be the youth pastor for these tremendous champions. And I took the, the, the I did my best. Well, I got the idea, um, uh, let's get them out of the church. And so Saturday night, I, I worked it out and got permission to, to rent a bus and take the youth to a Christian concert in Boston. So uh, that night I show up and I realize I'm the only chaperone, so we got a bus full of people, and, uh, students, and I'm responsible for every one of them. The only other adult was the bus driver and he was staying on the bus and I'm taking all these students into, the t into this uh, concert hall and, 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 and then they start sitting and I'm going, no, 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 sit over here and, and half of them are gone and I'm thinking, oh my word. And, and, and then it was a great concert. And I tried to enjoy myself and connect with it all. And, and then midway through, uh, between songs, like with, a, with a, a slight little lag between songs, a person on the balcony stands up and starts screaming in a disgusting, blood-curdling scream. And then proceeds to speak in a, in a foreign language in a, like, shrilly, uh, like uh, Cruella DeVille kind of a just disgusting uh, voice and, and, and then sat down. Well, I knew what it was and the guy who was leading the concert, the, the leader of the band uh, knew what it was but you could tell he hadn't been in that position before and long story short, in about 10 minutes uh, the, 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 he tried to sing another song it never happened so he dismissed it was the end of the concert. And everyone in the, it was a packed out place. And everybody leaves in silence. Fortunately, my, my group was scared to death at that point and weren't going to go to the pizzeria down the street. They all got on the bus and, and uh, took their seats. And I, I, uh, and I was sitting in the back going, oh my word, what, what, why, Fred, why did you do this? Why didn't you just teach them Sunday school, um, uh, teach them to be good boys and girls, and and why did you try to do such a thing? And, and you had no idea, but this was just a bad night. And then a kid comes and sits down next to me and says, um, hey, 
was that what I think it was? I said, I don't know. What do you think it was? Was that like the devil? I said, yeah, oh. He's sitting there. He says, um, hey, um, you think I'm a, a, a Christian, but I'm not so sure after what I heard tonight. But I sure don't want to be part of that. So what do I need to do? So I told him we prayed together, and he gave his life to Christ. He goes back and sits down. He no sooner sits down, another kid comes and sits down next to me. Hey, uh, Fred, is that what I think it was? I said, I don't know. What do you think it was? Was that like a demon? Yep. Oh, well, you know, I've been messing around with stuff. I'm, I'm a hypocrite. I've been living a double life, and there's stuff I'm involved in that nobody in church knows. My parents don't know, but, but I've been messing up. But, but after what I heard, I don't want that. So what do I do? So I, I lead him to repent, and, and um, he gives his life to Christ. Goes and sits down, and then three girls come and said, we were just wondering, is that what I think it was? I said, I don't know. What do you think it was? Well, the only thing, I mean, it just sounded like, like a, the devil. I said, yeah, it was. Oh, that's what we thought. And they're sitting there. And, um, you know, all of us were talking, and we don't want that. And we never really took God seriously but now that we see the power of the dark, we want God. So what do we do? So I lead them to repent. Well, then they go and sit down there, and they're all crying. And everybody in the bus can hear them crying. So now, like, it went from sober almost to holy. And God came to that bus. And there were several more. That was a turning point of my ministry in that church, was that night. And it wasn't at my initiative, but it, it was at the initiative of the Holy Spirit bringing the kingdom, exposing darkness, and showing the goody-two-shoes Christian kids the reality that there is a holy and an unholy. There is Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit, and then there's the devil and his demons, and you go ahead and pick. You pick. And for the first time, they were hit between the eyes with the power of God. Now, church family, we made up our mind here in this house a long time ago that um, we weren't going to be afraid of the supernatural. Uh, in fact, we invite it. We invite the presence of the holy God, knowing that uh, darkness will be exposed, and knowing that there will be, at times, manifestations of evil spirits, um, which none of us like, it gives us the creeps, but it comes with the territory if you're going to be a healthy church. Amen. 
Now, who, who wants to maintain status quo and be a goodish two-shoes church that keeps everything uh, on, uh, looking pretty? Or who wants to be a healthy church that advances Christ's kingdom? How, uh, who wants that? Who wants to be part of a kingdom-advancing Holy Spirit church that isn't afraid of a little demonic manifestation now and then? Well, look at what happens here. This became known, verse 17. Both Jews and Greeks learned about it, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Verse 18. And many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And the number of those who had practiced magic arts, okay, give me a second. I get all ramped up, but if you don't know what that word means, you're going to lose it. The word magic arts, what it really means is the use of hallucinogenic drugs for the purpose of being able to come under the influence of demons. That's exactly, it's sometimes magic arts is translated witchcraft, sometimes it's uh, translated uh, hallucinogenic drugs, but that's, it's the one lump. That's, we're not talking about like magic, harmless magic, like tricks, you know. We're not talking about, this isn't magic. This is demonic empowered supernatural Bending of spoons, moving a Ouija, the, the thing on the Ouija board, um, a seance calling on uh, deceased people, um, all, all, all tarot cards, all, uh, crystal balls visiting uh, palm readers, all those things that God, the horoscope, all those things that God condemns, that's what they, comes under this. Yes. It comes under this. And now, now, church family, you tell me, why do you think, without this being planned, that in the laying out of the book of Acts, we would be here on Halloween? Yes. You tell me. I guarantee you this is no uh, coincidence. So you hear the word of the Lord. You hear the word of the Lord. I'm not telling you you can't uh, take your kids out and, and uh, put a little bunny suit on them and have a little fun. I'm not talking about that, but I am, I am saying, I'm, I'm just telling you. The world around us is getting darker. And it ain't what it used to be. The playground is getting infested with, with frankly, I would just say what it is, evil spirits, the playground. So parents, be wise. Well, watch what happens. So, so the number of those who had, who had practiced, that means they're repenting, they had practiced hallucinogenic drugs for the sake of raising the, their ability to interact with de demonic power yes. through witchcraft, brought their books and trinkets together and burned them in the sight of all. This was not a little church meeting. This is a citywide in the center of town uh, moment. And, and look at this. 
and they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. Now, just to put that in perspective, 50,000 pieces of silver. To put this in perspective, um, you remember what Judas sold out for? Let me remind you, 30 pieces of silver. 30, three zero. This is five zero, 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 zero. More, uh, almost 2,000 times the amount valued for this, this witchcraft stuff that's burned in the center of Atlanta or the center of Ephesus. Now this is no little church revival. This is a citywide awakening. And I got to tell you, church family, your pastor has it in his heart for us to see in our day, in our area, this kind of transformation. I want to see it. I want our church to be so healthy, so filled with the Spirit, so active in living according to kingdom principles that the light of the knowledge of the glory of God exposes the darkness so that people all around us will bring their garbage and their fetishes and their idols and burn them in the public place. Anybody with me on this? And then it says, so the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Oh, prevail. Where have we heard that word? Matthew 16, 18. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. This is a hell gate moment. And this is the point. The healthy church that Jesus is planting, that Jesus is building, will always be a hell gate overthrowing church. Don't take a little demonic manifestation as a discredit to our ministry. It's a validation of our ministry. Don't be afraid of a little messiness in church. I'm telling you, I gave up a long time ago trying to make our church politically correct. I threw that off. I broke that off. And and let me also say, we are not a denomination-pleasing church. Now, we're under authority, and I love my authority. I spend more time praying for my authorities within our church network than I ever have, and my fellow colleagues in other churches on the horizontal. But on the vertical, I I bless them, I pray for them, and I honor them. But, But this does not happen because of a denominational church. This happens because of a kingdom church. Denominational authority, you can go with denominational authority and a demon will strip you naked. You go with kingdom authority and you'll be just fine. 
in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, what happens from here? We're going to fast forward. Um, there's a riot that breaks out in Ephesus because once you dismantle the demonic authority that's running the system, uh, uh, the inmates uh, run wild, and that's what happens. And, and they, they go crazy. It's mob rule. And a, a riot breaks out, and uh, uh, they drive uh, Paul out of town. He's not allowed to return. But that's not where it ends. That's where uh, chapter 19 ends. Then Paul goes elsewhere. He's not allowed back. But the second half of Acts 20, beginning with verse 17, Paul calls for the elders, the leaders in the church of Ephesus to meet him at a neutral site. And he wants to do some, put some finishing touches on his training. Let me just summarize, and then we're going to wrap it up. A healthy church is built by ordinary redeemed people who are filled conspicuously with the Holy Spirit and begin to live according to kingdom principles. And that group of ordinary redeemed people filled with the Holy Spirit who live according to uh, kingdom principles will win every time they contend with hell's gates with no fear of man. Hallelujah. Now, the final piece is healthy churches are maintained by healthy leaders. And here in, the, in Acts 20, the second half, beginning with verse 18 through 38, these 21 verses, is frankly some of the richest teaching of the entire New Testament. I'll go further. Some of the richest teaching on what it is to be a kingdom leader. It's, it's, to me, it's richer than the book of Titus, which was written for this purpose. It's richer than, than the book of First and Second Timothy for the sake of 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 mentoring and, and giving points to what it is to build healthy leaders. And Paul uses two, two streams to appeal to his audience. The first stream is Paul's example. Paul uses himself as a healthy example. He doesn't distance himself as putting himself out there. And the, the second stream is Paul's exhortation to them and what they are to do. Paul's example, Paul's exhortation. And everything that comes, verses 18 through 38, falls in those two categories. And you can go through, oh, that's Paul's talking about himself. Okay, this is, this is for the elders. This is Paul himself. Now, for Paul himself, he very clearly identifies himself as the apostle set in place who lived among them, he was motivated by compassion, verse 19. He diligently taught, verse 20. He was a soul winner, verse 21. And he was dead to self. Let me read it in verse 24. But I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself. I wonder, can you say that? Think of this. Let me say, let me read it again. But I do not account my life 
of any value, nor as precious to myself. I think it was about 18 years ago, I was on a sabbatical, and I was praying, and the elders of the church were praying, um, should I wrap it up here as lead pastor of the church, or should I continue? And toward the end of my sabbatical, I really hadn't gotten a clear word from the Lord, so I, I took a whole season to fast and seek the Lord. And on a Sunday, while fasting, I remember where I was very clearly. The Lord spoke to my spirit about this matter. Should I continue pastoring? And here's what the Lord said. Lilburn Alliance Church needs to be pastored by a dead man. It hit me. Liberal Alliance Church needs to be pastored by a dead man. And I knew, obviously, it wasn't, it had nothing to do with mortality. It had nothing to do with physical life. God was speaking deeper. For my will to die, my ambition to die, my pride, my, all of that, my elbowing, my, my uh, uh, lust for popularity or fame or, or, or all those things. Like Paul, who said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It wasn't that he was physically crucified. He goes on to say, nevertheless, I live. But the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And I let that sink in. But within an hour, I had resolved it. I said, Lord, if you'll have me, I'm your man. And I chose death to self. I chose laying down my life for the flock. Come what may, I will love and lay down my life for this flock. God put that in my heart. It was a turning point in my life. I've never looked back. And since then, I've, this is, all revelation is telescopic, but I've learned more of what it is to die to self, die to self, die to self, die to self, die to self. That's where Paul was here. It's really essential in spiritual leadership. How can we love the church and love Christ and love the church? Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that you lay down your life for the flock. Then Paul exhorts the believers here, the leaders. He Tells them that they are set in place, verse 28, that they have authority against the fierce wolves within, verse 29, and those who will come from without, I'm sorry, the the fierce wolves from without, and even among them, uh, uh, self-seekers will be raised up that don't die to self, verse 30. He taught them to teach the word, verse 32, to practice extravagant generosity in Uh, verse 35. This is the only place in the Bible that we have these words, and it says they're Jesus' words. Most of Jesus' words, 99.9% of Jesus' words are in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's a few outside. This is one of only a couple outside of uh, the Gospels, the the Book of Revelation, but that have a, a, a word that Jesus spoke during the Incarnation. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So awesome. Thank you, 
Dr. Luke for including that in the book of Acts that we can have these words of Jesus. And the Ephesus went on to be an, a, a, an extravagantly generous church. Healthy churches are generous churches. But the final picture we have here is in verse uh, 36 of Paul. It says, but when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. It doesn't even say that they knelt, but he knelt. Uh, you can't imagine him kneeling without the others, but it doesn't say they knelt, but he knelt. It's just such a powerful picture. And why kneel? Because it wasn't about Paul. It wasn't about Paul's good teaching. It wasn't about his good modeling. Ultimately, the church is not the leader's church. It's God's church. It was God that redeemed those ordinary people. It was God who filled them with the Holy Spirit. It was God who taught them to live by kingdom principles. It was God among them that exposed the, the kingdom of darkness and led the, the, the whole city of Ephesus in a, in a citywide awakening. Yeah. It's God that established these leaders. And, and now in prayer, Paul humbles himself and he leaves them with God. I just love that picture of Paul on his knees uh, in, in front of his, his leaders, humbling himself, setting yet a final example. But what did Jesus do? Jesus died praying. Yes. After he rose from the dead, he met and prayed with his disciples, and he left them praying, and he ascended praying. Yes. Healthy churches are filled with praying people. Healthy churches are ordinary people who've been redeemed, filled with the Spirit, living the kingdom, pushing back hell's gates, and are cared for and loved by healthy leaders. Hallelujah. Well, that's the church in Acts. What about the church in Atlanta? Yes. How many of you would say, I'm an ordinary redeemed person? Can I see your hands? How many of you would say, I have or would love to receive the Holy Spirit? Let me see your hands. How many of you can say, I want to live more so with kingdom principles? I want to be part of a church that pushes back hell gates around us. Yes. Can I see your hands? Hallelujah. And how many of you want to be a praying church? That's, that's, that's a healthy church. There's no celebrities. There's no fancy. It's not technology. It's not better facilities. It's not location, location, location. This is church. Hallelujah. And I just want to say, you are the right person in the right place at the right time to step in and see Jesus do here what he did in Ephesus. I want to see it happen. I want to see it happen. I truly believe 
we have an opportunity in front of us to see our region transformed by the gospel. I truly believe it. Would you stand with me, please, this morning? Now, I want us to step into this message, and I want to call us as we stand. We're going to sing a song uh, written uh, up in Brooklyn Tab uh, by uh, Mrs. Cymbala. Uh, Jesus, we crown you with praise. It's, it's, a, it's a familiar song. It's a, it's a warm, uh, easy-to-sing song. But I, I want to give it to us this morning because from this moment, I, 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 I must recall us tonight uh, to prayer. If you can't make it, would you take 30, 45 minutes, an hour to devote that time to prayer tonight between 5 and 10. But I I hope many of you come because at 5 o'clock we're going to start a special night of prayer tonight. This isn't intended to run contrary to our neighbors or our society. It's just intended to obey God. That's all. We just want to please God. And as the world gets darker, we need to lean into the light. And ultimately, what are we going to be doing here tonight? We're going to be declaring, Jesus, we crown you with praise. We're not going to focus on what the devil's doing tonight. We're going to focus on on what God is doing. So we encourage you to come and spend some time. Some of us will be here the whole time. Why in the world would we do this? I mean, the Braves may clinch the World Series tonight. What in the world are we thinking? And, and praise God. I mean, if you, if you have it on your, your, bring your tablet and watch it on your tablet as we're praying. It's okay. It's okay. Somebody please text me the scores. It's okay. It's okay. So, so this isn't intended. This is not intended to compete with our culture. It's not intended to, to, com, to, to, to confuse your, your schedule. This is intended to please God. We, we are confident God called us, and many of us are going to come because, church family, we are in a battle. And God, God is calling us in closer And we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We want more of him in our lives, our family, our community. We want more of him. So I want to encourage you as we sing this song. I want to encourage you to come. I want to encourage you to pray. I want you to encourage you to to let the Holy Spirit activate in you. And I got to say, if you if you have not consciously and conspicuously received the Holy Spirit, do it this morning. Do it this morning as we sing together.